Hi, this is The Rock of Recovery, and this is Angie Meadows. And today, we're going to continue with the Daniel study. We're in lesson number four. It's the humbling of Nebuchadnezzar, and the reading is chapter four. So the principle of this lesson is that pride takes a man's reason. So who's in this chapter? Well, we have Nebuchadnezzar, who's a Gentile king. And believe it or not, he wrote this chapter. It's the only chapter in the Bible written by a Gentile king. And it happened between uh, 606 and or 616 to 536 BC, and it was in Babylon. And God sets up kings, and he takes them down. So the humbling of King Nebuchadnezzar shows how God corrects the prideful and elevates the humble. So let's see what happened in this chapter. Nebuchadnezzar refused to heed the warning of the dream of the tree. He did not take Daniel's advice and repent for his pride or have compassion for the poor. And as we go through the story, we'll see what that tree means. And God gave him a year, a whole year to repent. And Nebuchadnezzar was then driven to the field with the mind of a beast, act like an animal for seven years. But when that time was over, he was lifted back up and uh, returned to be king. But it only happened after he lifted his eyes up to God and acknowledged God as the one true God. So today's character skill is pride versus humility. Humility is total dependency on the Lord and seeking His will at every decision. All of you, clothe yourself in humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. So pride reserves the right to make my own decisions based upon my own selfish needs. Humility is the fear of the Lord, and it wages. Its wages are riches and honor and life in Proverbs 22.4. So let's look at question number one. Daniel 4.3. Nebuchadnezzar starts chapter four with an introduction. And what was his praise to and for God? He says, how great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an internal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. So how great are his signs. He is giving uh, the one true God worship. And number two, Nebuchadnezzar describes himself as content and prosperous. And then he said he was terrified. So what terrified King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4, 4 through 5. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and the visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So here it is again. Nebuchadnezzar had another dream, another dream that was prophetic, that meant something, and he knew it because it woke him up terrified. Number three, who did Nebuchadnezzar tell the dream to first and could they interpret it in Daniel 4, 7? So when the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. So in Daniel chapter 4, 8, and 9, when Daniel arrived, 
Who did Nebuchadnezzar say was in Daniel? So finally Daniel came into the presence and Nebuchadnezzar told him the dream. He called Belshazzar after the name of my God and the spirit of my holy gods is in him, is what Nebuchadnezzar said. I said, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. So here's a dream that I want you to interpret. So <laughs> here it was Nebuchadnezzar identified that Daniel had the spirit of a holy God in him. He not only identified this, but as we'll see, he was not uh, overbearing and wanting to cut everybody to pieces and burn them up and kill his, his wise men for not knowing what the dream was. He actually had some patience here. Maybe that came after he saw um, the fourth man in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maybe he developed this reverence and this awe for the one true God. He didn't know God yet, but he knew that that God was in Daniel and his three friends. So let's see what this dream is in Daniel 4, 10 through 18. These are the visions I saw by lying in bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches. From it, it every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in bed, I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger coming back from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict, so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign uh, and over all kingdoms of the earth, and gives them anyone he wishes, and sets over them the lowest of people. This is a dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belshazzar, which of course is Daniel's name. Tell me what it means. For none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can, because the spirit of the holy God lives in you. So what did Daniel say to the king to comfort him? In Daniel 4.19, Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. And Belshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. So Daniel, who was his trusted friend now, was trying to comfort him. What was Daniel's interpretation of the dream in verse 20 through 26? Daniel says, The tree you saw 
which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your Majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree, destroy it, but leave the stump, bound with iron and bronze, in the grass of the field, while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord the King. You will be driven away from my people and will have and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to one another he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its root means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. So now Daniel makes suggestions to King Nebuchadnezzar in verse 27. He says, Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what's right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed, it may be that then your prosperity will continue. So he says, renounce your sin, do what's right, be kind to the poor, and maybe your prosperity will continue. So if you're having troubles in your life, this is a good prescription. These, this is the advice of Daniel for you. Renounce your sin, do what's right, be kind to the poor, and maybe your prosperity will continue. So in Daniel 28 through 33, chapter 4, what happened 12 months later because of Nebuchadnezzar's lack of repentance for his pride? Now, Nebuchadnezzar had come into the knowledge of God, but he did not come into the relationship with God. So here's what happened. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar 12 months later as the king was walking on the roof of his royal palace of Babylon. He said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. And immediately what had happened said to Nebuchadnezzar that was now fulfilled. He was driven away from his people and he ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of the bird. But Nebuchadnezzar didn't change his ways and the prophetic dream came true. 
So number 10, what was Nebuchadnezzar's testimony after these seven years of exile to the field with the mind of an animal in chapter 4, verses 34 through 36? At the time of that end, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored. And then I praised the Most High God. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. And all the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, What have you done? And at that time that my sanity was restored, my honor and my splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. So if you're feeling insane or even just confused, what should you do? <laughs> Remember what Daniel's prescription was. Renounce your sin. Do what's right. Be kind to the poor. Now, I know I'm sinning if I hear in my head uh, rationalizing why it's okay to do this while everybody else does it, while everybody else gets away with it, um, how I've gotten away with it before. So I know when I'm doing this that I need to challenge myself to call sin, sin, to not make excuses, to take the high road, and maybe maybe it is okay for others, but it, it's not okay for me. I need to um, set myself a higher standard. So here's the challenge. Number one, can you find the things that Nebuchadnezzar learned? And which of these do you need to learn and apply to your life? So let's see what he learned. He learned to praise God. He learned to glorify Him. I had to take a minute and pause here. I wanted to find you these things that Nebuchadnezzar learned. He learned that he should honor God, that God was the King of Heaven, that all God's works are truth, that God's ways are just, that He is able to abase the proud, that He's the Lord of Kings, that He's the Revealer of Secrets, that he sends angels to protect those that put their trust in him, that he can change a man's word, that the true servants of God will not worship any other God, and that there is no God who can deliver people like that one true God, and that no other God can do miracles like the one true God, and that God's kingdom is everlasting, and there will be eternal generations of men on earth, and that the Spirit of God can dwell in man, and that God is the supreme on earth, and that God rules to whom God gives rule to whomsoever he will, and that the wise men on earth are incapable of solving human problems, and that sin does not pay, and that the pride is the cause of downfall. And I found that list in a Dake's Bible, in my study Bible, and I love that list just those things that Nebuchadnezzar learned. So as you're going through the scripture, just write down the things, write down the warnings, the instructions, um, the what to beware for, what it is that your the principles are. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. And you can read the Bible between now 
and the end of the days and not get one thing out of it if you don't mix it with faith. So if you've read the Word of God and you're like, yeah, don't make no sense to me. It's because you did not mix it with faith and prayer. So the discussion question number two, if God gives a person great power, he also gives them responsibility to care for others. So what kind of a leader are you? What kind of leader do you want to be? And how could you lead younger ones in the faith? How could you lead those under you? Could, do you lead them with kindness and patience? Or do you lead them with selfishness and cruelty? So number three, why might Daniel be afraid to interpret the dream of Nebuchadnezzar? Wow. If you think about it, he, he would be afraid because the first time Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, he was very unreasonable with his expectations. So Daniel knew the interpretation of this dream and that it wasn't good. So he was probably a little, a little timid to be able to give Nebuchadnezzar the full truth. So number four, what might have happened if Nebuchadnezzar had repented? Hmm. He may not have had to go to the field for seven years. Many times in the Word of God, the Lord gave judgment and then he turned back and he didn't do it because the people repented. Just as you look in Jonah, when Nineveh was supposed to be destroyed and then they repented and they were not destroyed. So there are times in our life when things are going wrong and if we'll just turn away from our selfishness and from those that are inconsiderate of others and that that thing that's making us crazy, if we'll just turn turn away from it and just give it to the Lord, I do believe if we just follow Him with our whole heart and say, okay, God, I can't fix that circumstance. I'm not going to be anxious about it anymore. I'm going to walk in the glory of God. I'm going to praise you. So let's look at a self-evaluation of pride. There are 19 things that I found when I was looking at my own pride and the pride of those around me. Opinionated, stubborn, anxious, hmm, anxiety is pride. It's trusting in myself, thinking I can work it out. Angry, immoral thinking or actions, being a user, pouty, manipulative, demanding, controlling, doesn't repay, rails things that he does not understand, judgmental, bitter, unforgiving, extorts from others, thinks very highly of himself, and is indifferent to the feelings of others, and honors his own self. So in James 4, 6, it said, God opposes the proud, but he gives favor, which means grace to those who are humble. So if you have pride, repent quickly. And I have found in my life that I cannot move my pride without intentionally recognizing it. I mean, there's this little verse that says, contentions come from pride. So every time I want to argue, every time I want to be irritable and irritated and fussy, I need to turn my fingers around to me, point my finger at me, and look for my pride. So if I'm going to be humble, then I'm going to be kind and patient, not a doormat. I'm going to have strong boundaries, but I'm going to do it with patience and kindness. I'm going to speak the truth in love. I'm going to wait for God to move first, but I'm not going to force things. I'm going to honor God with my words and my deeds. I'm going to consider others better than myself. I'm not going to think highly of myself. 
and I'm going to be completely dependent upon God. And you'll know that you're dependent upon God if you have a very vibrant prayer life. And I think a prayer life is so simple, and yet it's so difficult. Um, I find that my prayer life waxes and wanes, you know, with my mood and what I'm going through and what pressures are around me and what people I'm around. But if I can stay dependable in that prayer by, and Daniel prayed, he prayed three times a day. And there have been times that I've tried to do that and I, and I can't quite get there. <laughs> so what I do is I, I just keep myself on a schedule. Lord, I want to make sure that I'm praying in the morning. And on YouTube, it has morning prayers and it has evening prayers. And I just pull those up and I pray it with them. And sometimes I sit with the, the Psalms and I pray through the Psalms. I pray through uh, the book of John, the book of Colossians, the book of Ephesians, and I turn the scriptures around into prayer. And when I'm praying like that, it's bigger than me. And uh, it brings me great peace. So in 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, I strike or I blow at my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So I could disqualify myself for because of pride and because of following my own ways even after I have been a teacher. And I have seen many that don't finish well. And I can tell you that in my 60s, having been baptized at nine years old, having gone through many different trials and tribulations and backslidings in my life, if I don't intentionally purpose to finish well, to take myself by the scruff of the neck and say, you won't, and you will, and you will go back and repent, and you will make amends, if I don't intentionally do this, it's not gonna come. It's not gonna come. So let's look at the training skills. Number one, differentiate between pride and humility. Pride will be bold to demand my own selfish ways. Humility will stand alone and stand strong with gentleness and firmness to always do what's right, no matter what the consequences are. Number two, pay attention to your physical reactions if you're afraid of someone. Fear can cause that fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response, and fear can be a response to anger. The fear of man will always prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe in Proverbs 29:25. So developing the skills to stand alone in humility with the motive to please God will make us bold in Christ. Number three, a people pleaser. Hmm. I have been guilty of this one. Galatians 1:10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I am trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Whew. So I know when I've got anxiety after I've talked to someone and, and tried to uh, calm their anger or their bitterness or whatever they're going through, it's because I'm afraid of them and uh, not reverencing the Lord, not humbling myself before God. So this gentle humbling myself before God means that I'm not anxious and I'm trusting Him. So if I am carrying joy and peace, then I am humble. If I'm carrying anxiety, stress, fear, anger, I am not humble. I have not found humility of the Lord. So number four, the fear of man lays a snare or a trap, but whoever so 
Trust in the Lord is safe. Proverbs 29:25. Identify and correct your fears. Otherwise, you will be trapped in anxiety. So no matter what's going on, no matter what's around you, no matter who is pushing you and um, challenging you, I just want you to learn like Daniel and his friends did, to stand strong, to stand strong and with God and in his word. And this was Angie Meadows, and this was Lesson 4 in the Daniel Study. And you can listen to it again on my Rocker Recovery podcast, and I'll see you again next time.